does have a bite <laughs> spicy uh looks like we are sampling some resurgent bourbon whiskey um the bite being coming from the fact that it's 104 proof <laughs> well there's that that'll do it from beautiful pennsylvania usa and uh wow seems to be a small run it's Damn, fine. Who do we th- who do we thank for that? Brandon, I think. This one came from. There's a lot on the shelf over there. <laughs> yeah, a lot more than the last time I was here. That's for sure. <sighs> Joe Holmes. Mark Twain. Welcome back from across the Atlantic Ocean. From the many varied... Uh, destinations of Belgium, Austria, Hungary, a little bit of Germany. Driving across it at rapid speeds. Excellent. And that was in the Skoda RS brake <laughs> or whatever they yes, call yes. a wagon in. Uh, yes, the uh, Skoda Octavia RS. All right. Which I want to figure a way out to bring that over here because that was a nice vehicle. Nice. Uh, Put that in the stable. Yep. Slovakia. Okay. France. Luxembourg. Damn, Damn, you must have had like a a vaccine passport or something, huh? Would have been nice, but, uh, you know, (laughs) we're afraid afraid of that tracking here, even though everyone's carrying a tracking device in their their pocket already. I I don't necessarily think that's what people are... uh, uh, Man, we're going to go right there right now. <laughs> I heard that uh, I read on the uh, an article in Le Monde, I think, that the French are really in love with theirs. I mean, some of them are, the people that agreed to be interviewed who weren't being beaten and thrown in jail for not being into the pass sanitaire. Any, any interaction we had in France, uh, we they wouldn't let... So, I was only in France just for the Airbnb for the race in Luxembourg. Okay. But just over the border where it was. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, but the the couple of staff that had been a part of uh, earlier, mm-hmm. they couldn't get restaurants. They couldn't get admitted even if they were to produce a vaccine card. Um, cause they didn't have the electronic accepted yes. version of, could you take a photograph of your card and then show them the photograph on your phone and have that be like kind of a little less maybe, analog? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, let's face it. Those vaccine cards that we have, uh-huh. uh, those are kind of a joke. I mean, how, how, really? I paid like $20 for mine. Was that at Kinko's when you made it? Or? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's called FedEx Kinko's now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, what you know, I, I I got 
uh, why were you uh, why were you in Europe, Joe Holmes? I was there for some some bicycle racing, uh, junior junior development, because we're the only ones doing it. So, it, from this country, from the U.S., yeah, yeah. Because uh, USA Cycling is not really doing that anymore after they lost, you know, a couple of their best coaches, right? Well, that and Epis- uh, episode whatever uh, that was, cancel Billy. But then, and they thing you need to know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they can figure out what their product is either. Is their product membership or their, is their product events? And you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of uh, events going on, as we just witnessed with the two young ladies that stopped by here briefly, that's, Heidi and Emily. That's true. That you don't need to have a racing license to to still do competitive shit. Yeah. So so why join USAC if USAC is, I mean, would be of no benefit to you? Which is a valid question. And it's... I, uh, d- my tongue was super planted in my cheek yeah, when I asked that, yeah. but uh, yeah. I mean, so that was the uh, Belgian waffle, the Cedar City version or the Utah version of the Belgian waffle. So what did Heidi say, 129 miles? That is for the full waffle, not to be con- confused, confused with the wafer that Billy and I did one year ago. Yeah. Today, today yeah. this weekend, we'll call this weekend. And uh, yeah, gravel race, and Heidi was third? Third third woman, yeah. Yeah, nice. So not too shabby. Seems like when you drive the van around, you get results. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a couple, couple pretty good Good results from some women that uh, work with this weekend. So yeah. So hey, um, let's get this out of the way. A year ago, last time I saw you, you were not on crutches. That's, this that's... year, you are. What? Uh, do you want me to tell my version of the story? Sure, sure. <laughs> Please. I just read Please the text. Do. I get, well, all I will say is that when you sent me that text, when I read the text, I was like, "Oh, Joe Holmes, man." <laughs> We're just not as durable as we used to be. No, no. Yeah. So yeah. Well, at least you saved the cat. Yeah. Or failed to hit the cat. Failed to hit it, or you know, cat, or I'm pretty sure it was a cat. Could have been a black squirrel. I don't know. It was something. It was something that you know kind of threw me off my line a little bit. And when you're when when I went back and looked at the at the file, I was doing 60k an hour. So okay. Things I had kinda... a file. I had a file like that on my power tap once, where I was, like, I was racing along in the group at twenty eight miles an hour, and then all the data just <laughs> goes to zero <laughs> because, as Brian Harder watched me do it from behind, and I, uh, yeah, yeah, so touched a, yeah, touched a wheel and then hit yeah. the pavement. But you didn't hit pavement. You went into the fucking trees, right? Not quite the trees, which <laughs> okay. I was as, you know, as as things tend to happen, uh, it you start to things go in slow motion when you're in mid crash. Yep. Yeah. And I distinctly remember thinking, oh, I could be really fucked here right now. 
<laughs> but I managed I managed to avoid careening off into the trees. Although it took me a while to locate my bike. I thought the bike had may have catapulted into the trees. Okay. Um I managed to miss a guardrail. Not a hundred percent sure. I think I must have missed the metal pole, i.e. bollard, that was Ooh. um blocking off uh vehicle passage onto the kind of farm road which is you know classic two ruts gravel mounted grass in the middle uh but did land on the gravel uh tore my hand up yeah uh and uh landed pretty hard um hard enough that i was uh rather vocal (laughs) um which caught the attention of the people that had the house on the corner, which from what I've heard, they may have some experience because apparently this corner has claimed automobiles, other cyclists, motorcyclists. One of the kids that I was there with on this trip had also gone off there, but he was able to like hold it up somehow. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Ended up uh, sounds like sounds like an attractive nuisance that uh, in this country they would have straightened out already, or you know, yeah. cut away part of a mountain in order to make the road less dangerous for possibly humans. Who, yeah, huh? That sounds horrible. You broke some ribs, right? Three ribs. Yeah. Um, which when they told me that, I was surprised because I didn't. It just felt like a bruise. Okay. I, had broken ribs before and it didn't feel like that but mm. maybe that's because the pain in my leg was overcompensating for the distracting you from distracting me, me. Yeah. so uh fracture in my tibia just below the tibial plateau mm-hmm. got my first helicopter ride to the uh the did, local did, clinic did and they and get you high before the helicopter ride though they they did a little bit yeah nice like what, like a little ketamine, you get K hold. What uh, I'm not, I'm like, not really sure okay. what it was. Uh, okay. I did ask the guy, "How much is this going to cost?" Because <laughs> I'm from America, <laughs> where we, where we, where, where we pay for, yeah, where, like where, yeah. where the medical industry, you know, it's a for profit. Yes, over here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and at first they weren't going to do surgery, but they wanted to hold me overnight because of the ribs. And then they came in and were like, yeah, we're going to, we are going to operate. So within a few hours, they had me in the most amazing operating room I've ever been in. And and let me assure you, I've been in a few. (laughs) (laughs) It it looked like something from like the Starship Enterprise. Oh, cool. Like the X, my x-rays were up on a wall. Yeah. And it was all touchscreen and they were kind of moving that around and. And uh, and then the window of the operating room were the mountains. Oh, because you were in Austria at this time. Yes. Yeah, actually, when I mentioned to Rolo that you had, um, I mean, a couple of days after he hit the pavement on his bike and ended up in the hospital. <laughs> Maybe was, you need to find some other friends. <laughs> it was a, that was a, there was a rough period there. And, and I don't know if it was like seven days that encompassed all of these things. But first, my friend Jack had a little uh, slip and fall out in the Sierras and went a hundred feet off of a thing and ended up in the boulders. He broke eleven ribs. Oh, fuck! 
Yeah, he got a helicopter ride too. And uh, and then uh, shortly after that, a day after that, maybe, or maybe it was the same day. You know, it was right around then when Barry fell down the stairs and um, bruised his brain. Uh, and then I was texting with Rollo, who was also in Austria, and he said, oh, all right, it's cool enough now. I'm going to go out for a bike ride. And then two hours later, I get a text from him. I'm like, well, that didn't quite work out as planned. <laughs> and I was like, well, not 16 anymore. He goes, yeah, but sometimes when I'm riding downhill, I feel like it. And, um, yeah, I had to have a couple screws um, put in the head of the femur of his resurfaced, formerly resurfaced oh, hip. fuck. And then, uh, then you did that. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and that was all in like six or seven days. All that shit happened. Just like, all right, what's next? It's kind of yeah. But you stay. So you stayed over because so there's still the the development team is still racing. Yeah. Despite that, they're not going to you know cancel the race program because Joel Holmes rode in had the audacity and, to go on a bike ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's happened a lot. Yeah. There's nothing audacious about Joe Holmes going for a bike ride. That's a habit. Um, what is audacious is the style of dismount that you uh, undertook. Um, so they're still racing, and a bunch of the and several of the kids from this development team, private trade team, essentially, um, were going to be representing the U.S. at the World Championships. Correct. As was and I was supposed to be the director at the World Championships. Supposed to, but you did. I ended up, but at the time it was. Uh, the thought in my head was, fuck not this again, because in 2014, I had a similar incident, only that was only two weeks before, okay. where I broke my femur. Yeah. Uh, and let's just say there were some in USA Cycling that had the uh, attitude that um, even though uh, it was an accident that happened on a training ride with the kids, along with uh, another coach... Um and caused by one of the kids, um, you would have oh, thought those, the one in Spain, the one in Spain, yeah. You would have thought that um, I broke a bone because I'd gone on a bender and then decided to like, you know, do a Tony Hawk, rent a unicycle, or, yeah, or a pogo stick or something, yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> that sort of so this time they were far more accommodating, is what you're saying. Only because I was uh, very clinical in who I called and when I called. Yeah. Um, and um, so the um, guy that's the the athletic director at USAC now, uh, I was able to reference uh, an incident where his, I guess now I've heard, former wife, um, who was a, a director for a trade team and has done some USAC work. She actually hit a deer on a descent in Colorado and ended up like breaking some vertebrae and took her out for a while. Whoa. So when I, when I told him, I'm like, hey, so um, there's a bit of a curveball that's come up. And I explained to him what happened and, was, and told him, look, I'm intent on, I'm four weeks out. As long as I can have an automatic, because it was my left leg, so no no clutch action. Yeah. Um, and he goes, well, "That's not a curveball." <laughs> so, 
That was good. It's a slider. Yeah. yeah. But so you because because all, all the team cars that you had were all manual transmission. The so the cars, all three vehicles um, that we uh, procured were manual transmission. Um, I was supposed to do well. Thank God you, there were no millennials with you of driving age. Yeah, but except there were, but we can. <laughs> We could just <laughs> oh, you're right. You told me all about that last night. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a, you know, well, you're going to have to learn how to drive a stick because that's yeah. part of your job. Yeah. And no place better to learn how to drive a stick than in Europe. Yep. yep. Because, <laughs> you know, there isn't anything different about the signage or, you know, yeah. how things are done over there. But it's just got to be aggressive into the roundabouts and signal when you leave. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've noticed that the signaling when you leave is not a hundred percent compliance yeah. over there now. Yeah, yeah, which is disappointing. Well, They're getting Americanized. I was gonna say a lot of foreigners, <laughs> but yeah, ninety days. Lux Lux is the name of the team. Um, Had some good results too. Very good results. Uh, we have both a junior men and junior women's program. Mm-hmm. Um, so the junior men, I. So I've not been home since the beginning of June. Be- oh, right, because there was racing on the uh, East Coast. Uh, on the East Coast, right? Oh, fuck! Was it fucking so, so, like Junior Worlds or something? No. Was what was it in Florida? So in June or whatever awful schedule problem. Like, I'm just like Florida in June, Joe. Really? Yeah. Well, so the first race was uh, U.S. Pro Championships in Knoxville, where I directed the under 23 women, because mm. um, we do have a few women that had aged out of the junior program, but uh, we're still supporting them. And then the week after that uh, was in outside of Jacksonville, Florida, which is my sister's lived there for I don't know how long. And when I got together with her, I was like. Why? Why would anybody live in Florida on purpose? Well, because they invented air conditioning. Yeah, so it's, it's okay now. It's it's a horrible place. <laughs> nice. Um, did that race? Uh, directed there. So that was junior national. Okay. Uh, ch- championships, and then <clears throat> got on a plane oh, on. Nationals. We landed in Vienna on June twenty seventh. Um, and then the kids came over two days later on the 29th, um, landed in Vienna, uh, took a train to Innsbruck from there. Um, that was interesting. It was myself and the other director, this guy named George Chester, um, and trying to maneuver. We had two bike cases, wheel case, our luggage, nutrition, um, there was a point where we needed to do a tr- train transfer that we had about five minutes to handle. Um, nice. but then we got into Innsbruck and, uh, we have a partnership with an under 23 program there, the Tiro KTM, uh, program that one of our riders, a graduate Logan McLean races for. Mm. So the guy that runs that program, Thomas Pup, um, very analog guy, okay. very cool guy. Um, Sounds like the kind of guy who should have a Defend Analog shirt. For sure, he's going to get one. Okay, good. And uh, yeah, we were based out of a little place called Goodson's Austria, just outside of Innsbruck. And is that where the um, the Nordic events were? That was in Seafeld. 
Okay. So Seafeld's uh, up the uh, like up. Oh yeah, because you were only at like <clears throat> nine hundred meters. Yeah. You had to get a little higher. A little higher. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when you wrote to me about like, yeah, there's uh, it's summertime, but they have roller ski track that's paved. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's civilized. <laughs> and it, it was nice, you know, because I took some roller skis over with me mm-hmm. and uh, being able to do that and then actually see other people roller skiing and not like, yeah, looking like a complete weirdo. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, dude, get some roller blades. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then it was thousands of kilometers of driving to bike races all over the place. Uh, and so the, the the choice of arrival time, like you're going to be maxed out at 90 days on a visa in Europe. So part of the choice of arrival time was like working backwards 90 days for the kids who were going to, who were probably going to the world championships. Yeah. So or part of, part of it was that we were already on the East coast for, for nationals. So okay. let's jump from there. Um, cause a lot of these kids are from California. Oh, okay. So you're reducing a three time, like three time yeah. zone jump right there. Yeah. And then, uh, we, I mean, it's admittedly, we had an, a overly ambitious program. Like we were running two programs and we were running hot. Um, mm-hmm. and the first race that the one group did that I, I did not direct this race, a uh, race in Val Rome, uh, which is quite hilly. Um, and a couple of the guys did okay. A couple of the guys were, you know, on the back foot almost immediately, but they got through that. Um, I did, we found like kind of a local quote unquote local that was like four hours away race in Austria. That was our sort of entry point with the group of kids that I had. Um, but the plan was, yeah, jump from nationals, um, do that. We had a calendar that was, would change a little bit. And, uh, with the idea with the world championships being in, uh, Belgium, uh, this week, and with the possibility of doing another race uh, in Germany after, okay. so there was a plan for the the group that were in all likelihood going to do world championships and then stay for Sarlin. We were gonna go outside of Schengen, so that oh, okay, so that it would buy us a little bit of time, um, and then be able to come back in. What, um, for the more provincial members of our audience, uh, Schengen is what? Google.com. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> okay, European Union. <laughs> part of the, and, the, and the Schengen uh, members over the Schengen ter- zone, territory? What do they call it? Uh, is part of the economic cooperation yep. of it. Because I, I, I recall when we were in Bulgaria a bunch of years ago, that they were, and that was in 2012, so I think in 2014, they were going to become a member of the European, of the EU, but not um, have the the Schengen Treaty signed or something like that, I think. Yeah. It was something. But anyway, so, and then when we were on jobs in the UK for a long time, when it was still part of the EU, uh, um, no, that didn't actually matter. Uh one of the guys, stunt coordinator on one of the jobs, uh, an American guy, is just like, man, I don't want to uh, uh, become a 
UK resident for tax purposes. So every weekend, so and that happens at like 182 or 183 consecutive days or X number of days over a two-year period. And, um, and so every weekend, he'd do his five days work in London, and then every weekend he was going to Belgium. Okay. So two days out of the UK. So this doesn't really have anything to do with Europe at all, just weird fucking visa shit yeah and tax related stuff and and i was like man that seems super fucking complicated and this plus i, I often worked weekends um and our, and our jobs are different but uh um so i couldn't do that i was like it's super complicated keep track of all this shit how many days this that and the other and then when tax time came around oh man he was the smart one yep yeah 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 and no that, no reach around yeah 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 well and when when um so that was a big concern right is uh because if you get if you get kind of the red mark it's 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 not good like you're not coming back in yeah and so when i went through passport control yesterday in brussels um the and and i wasn't sure if i was at 90 or 91 days Okay, but I also knew like I came in to Vienna. I'm going out of Belgium, and you know the guy was like, he looked at my passport, he looked at it with a very stern passport control, you know, EU passport control look on his face, and he was like, "So, uh, you came into Austria in June?" As I'm sitting there in my wheelchair, looking up at him, uh, <laughs> I was like. I'm like, and yeah. Due to some exigent circumstances. <laughs> yep. But I, you know, I was just like, yeah, I work at a junior cycling team. Uh, we've been here racing in Europe and I uh, just directed at the world championships for the U.S. junior men yesterday. As soon as I said that, immediate change in this guy's uh, so, which attitude. is Which is really funny because if you said something like that, you know, at a U.S. passport control thing, they were like, skinny little fucking alternative dude over here throw him in you know let's let's give him a cavity search because he says he has kids racing bikes we're in we're in that spandex (laughs) so he he was like oh okay yeah good he goes you know you can't come back for a while right and i'm like oh yeah i know (laughs) so he was like have a good flight thank you see they were not like that at all when the dollar was strong hmm but now, you know, with euros and that sort of thing, like when I would go over and Italy was still on the lira and uh, uh, the the French franc had not yet changed um, where they, I think they just, I can't remember one year they just dropped to zero or something because <laughs> um, it's just getting to be a little bit too much. Uh, and and then if, you know, US dollar, it was okay. I mean, I ended up, I got to do, you know, this is probably not going to come back on me and it's already out been out there for a while but i was um i lived in eventually stayed in france full time for five years on a 90-day tourist visa uh for whatever reason i was able to get away with that it sounds like it's not like that at all right now no especially with all the like with computers and the tracking and all oh, yeah. that kind of stuff yeah you know yeah. i mean were you did you so i was i was curious like what you guys did when you were on the jobs like um well, all handled by the studio. I mean, everything is super official. Right. Um, so like on a movie job where I'm going to be in the UK for a certain amount of time, I have a, you know, I have a full on 
um, long-term visa in my passport and yeah. then a UK residency card, essentially that it, it's, a, and it's a residency card that does, that allows me to be there, but doesn't allow me to take advantage of social services. Okay. Right. So that would be what you would show, you know, the, 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 the local, the citizen version, UK, are they subjects or I can't remember which, um, anyway, that, the, that, that would be the card they would show to access social services, you know, medical, that kind of thing. Um, and so my card had like a, you know, stamp on it or something that yeah. said outcast. And, uh, um, and, uh, and then anytime we're going to, and then they would sort out visas for other countries. Like, okay, you have to go to Italy for three weeks and I'd go, okay. And they'd say, give us your passport. And then they'd have a, somebody go handle it. And I'd come back with a visa for X amount of days in these other countries. And the whole, the Bulgaria thing, same thing. We were there four months, five months, something like that handled, uh, when I did work in Paris for two and a half months and that, uh, prior to going to Bulgaria, uh, that was kind of a, uh, a little more loosey goosey, right? <laughs> because they didn't, uh, it, it was, it was a one-off situation. There wasn't a whole bunch of people going where there was going to be a big footprint and call it, caught a lot of, you know, attention to themselves. And, uh, um, it was me and then two other people showed up later to work with this particular actress and um but yeah it's a beautiful thing that they all handle it every now and then you got to go on your own to some really shitty place to get your visa renewed or you know i mean and by shitty i mean bureaucratically run and some of those countries are a little bit um well it's all bureaucracy so none of them are efficient but sometimes these locations are not in the best uh parts of town right shall we say I mean, I don't know. Maybe Croydon is a it's a nice suburb these days, but what well, what what we were um kind of the big concern for us uh and one of the reasons that George and I went over a couple of days ahead of time were just to sort of get the lay of the land, get some things and I'm going to use air quotes mm-hmm. there for those of you that aren't watching aren't, on the YouTube channel. Exactly. <laughs> uh to uh, you know, figure things out a little bit. Um, but we had, so we had documentation both with, um, the Tiro KTM team. Mm -hmm. So they were actually sponsored by the, 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 I guess, the Tyrolean, uh, tourism type. And, um, so we had, we had actual paperwork that was like, we're partnered with this, um, uh, yeah, they're, Ameri- they're yeah they're Americans, but they're okay. Yeah, pretty much. We accept them, and even <laughs> even some of the some of the countries we would go into for races, we would we you you would have if we were pulled over by control. Yeah, um, we would have to first of all we would always carry our we'd have to get PCR tests. Yeah, at, before every race that we go to. Uh, as well as a requirement for entry into the country. And that's sort of 72 hours before? Is it- Se- maximum 72 hours before, yep. Um, Not 73. Correct. <laughs> uh, yes. And um, uh, we'd have all this paperwork. Like, I would have this folder of all this documentation. Yeah. Never had to produce it. And, and in fact, when, we did pass- when I did passport control in, in Vienna... I, it was like the easiest passport control ever. 
Okay. Like I was fully loaded with all this paperwork and she was like, uh, passport. Okay. Vaccine card. Okay. I was like, uh, that's it. But wait, I have, <laughs> let me show you all my yeah, stuff. Let me show you all my stuff that we got. So, yeah. Yep. And right. I mean, interesting. So I knew, so hunger, Hungary and Slovakia, um, were also part of this, yep. this trip. So w- what w- were any of the, um, like destinations more radically different than any others as far as in terms of a dealing with COVID or tourists or, you know, the, the j- just like how easy is it to move around in Europe right now? Um, I would say once you get past control, like border control. Yeah. I.e. if they, if they randomly decide to pull you over. Yeah. So one of, one of, one of the vehicles traveling back from Slovakia, um, there was a kid in the car who he actually is from Utah, um, but was living in Germany, not vaccinated. Oh, so there was some concern in that car of if they were to get pulled over, um, either exiting Slovakia or going we would have to go through Germany. Um, and the the German border control, at least at that time, seemed to be the most, I'll say, clogged up. Okay. Um, but the most vigorous with their interviews. Potentially, yeah. Love talking to people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really, it wasn't an issue. Um the Slovak and when I would go to these manager meetings, so the UCI has all these protocols. Okay, um, and they were actually so I followed, inter- international cycling organization. Yep, for the uninitiated. Yeah, um, oh, that's a nicer way to say that. Sorry. Uh, so everything we had to do here for for Pronats, like Pronats, is probably I think the first big event that USA Cycling. And and anyone that hasn't traveled internationally, yeah. like wasn't able to last year, this was like the first big event. Like a lot of us po- hadn't po- seen each other in two or years within the pandemic situation. Yeah, yeah. So, but because in twenty twenty, basically all races. I mean, obviously there were some pro tour races, and we had talked to Heidi a little bit about her um, experience going back and forth to Europe in twenty twenty. Yep, and racing. But for the most part, everything was shut down here in the U.S.? Everything. Everything. Yeah. Fuck. For sure, national championships. Okay. Um, and so, you Wait, know. Wait, but you all rode the wafer. Not in, a sanctioned event. Quote, unquote, sanctioned. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, like, I'd go to these manager meetings, you know, and I'd walk in and be like, are we doing the mask thing? Are we not doing the mask thing? Like I just always would. Yeah. Um, but really no, no issues at all. Um, kind of the, and so, and so was the protocol the same, uh, this season as last year that Heidi described where one person, even admin side popped hot on a team. They were out of whatever races until they could prove. Yes. Okay. Yep. And you guys got, you had a good bubble and no issues no issues we never really that's the thing too like we weren't (sighs) 
I don't know if it if it was a situation of where it's fatigue or you're somewhere for a while. Yeah. Like when we so we um our base of operation in, in Goodson's was a place, uh Alpart Hotel. And you know, you come down to breakfast, amazing Austrian breakfast buffet. And the first few weeks That's that's a vegetarian yeah, buffet, not, right? Not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vegetarian plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the plus is for meat. For meat. Yeah. <laughs> and like these weird like pickled fish things, but you know, not for me. Okay. Anyway. Uh like you'd wear the mask going up to the buffet. Hmm. And then that and but also in Austria That's uh, good practice at a buffet in Vegas, man. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I when, mean, before twenty twenty, that would be a good practice. I want to say it was on July first that they relaxed the the mask requirement rules. Because in Austria okay. when we got there in public you had to wear like you had to wear an N ninety five mask. Okay. Out. Um but things as I thought the, those were really hard to get. Not so much. Oh, that was last year, yeah, was last right, year. when there was a supply chain issue. Right. Okay. But yeah, I'm sorry, or when they weren't necessary, but then they were, but then. Yeah. So does it feel like, speaking, you know, speaking of inconsistency and, like, not really trusting what any words that are coming out of anybody's fucking mouth, um, does, uh, did it feel as if the response and the p- protocols that were put into place in Europe were more cons- like let's just say more consistent uh, 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 response not that you were there last year um, but based on you know sort of talking with people and that kind of thing was it uh, just slightly more organized yeah oh for sure yeah and uh, is and not politicized correct from, not that from, not from, that from, I came th- into contact that you with could anyway. that you could like yeah, yeah. see that's pretty interesting. Yeah. As you know, I'm I'm one to sort of bristle against rules. I've, uh, let's just say I have a history of that. You but, uh, like to. I like get to all press prickly r- and rub up against those rules and r- see how far right up, they uh, bend. Right up to the line. Yeah. But I also realize, you know, I'm there. I'm there to do a job. My job is to. Uh, get these kids to have an experience. Yeah, not only just racing. I yeah. mean, a lot of the other stuff is is important on this, just to see if they can so, cut it or not. So you're not being entirely selfish, is what you're saying. Yes, sort and of, trying to be an sort example, of living according to a maybe a higher authority. Well, and but back to the consistency <laughs> thing. It's just like okay, it's consistent. These are the rules. These are the rules of engagement yeah. to participate in the activity that I'm here to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's and, and I feel at least for myself here, it's like, hey, walk into a place of business, give them the, you know, the high sign and say, hey, mask on, mask off. What do you feel? You know, what's, right. what's going to make it most comfortable for us to, you know, transact this business? And I would go either way. I don't. Yeah, I mean, and 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 you know, just unfortunately, there's uh, uh, a lot of other people who feel differently and vehemently so. Um, and uh, you know, I'm not. You know, there's not a for or against 
you know, thing here. And I want everybody to do exactly as they want. And also to take responsibility for everything that they do. Exactly. And, and, and I'll say that, you know, the one kid that we had that was unvaccinated, like it was potentially a pain in the ass. Yeah. For us. But how did he get into Europe in the first place? Um, his father does business in Germany. Okay. So he had been there. So they had been there before like the they man. live, like they have a, a residence there. Okay. Is my understanding. Um, and, um, yeah, other than that, I didn't, okay. I didn't ask. Okay. Cause you could get caught behind vaccine lines, you know, yeah. without getting it, I guess. Yep. Or something. I don't know. Um, that's, that's, uh, Fucking wild experience, man. Yeah, and I mean, but and some of your kids came home with the goods, right? Uh, well, yes, yeah. <laughs> I had to think about what uh, you're asking. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to say that we did good. We did pretty you, well. You did good. Uh, they did good. And at what? So they, an athlete that I coached but was not directing. Okay. Because she was part of the women's program. Okay. Um, she. Pretty pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. Four four medal four world championship medals in a span of four weeks. Uh, three at junior track worlds in Egypt. Uh, one that got her a brand new shirt with some rainbows on it. Nice. And then uh, yesterday in Leuven, Belgium, uh, second place in the junior women's uh, world championship road race. Excellent. So yeah, pretty fucking good. But the dudes, they just uh... dudes did well in the in the <laughs> in the races. Uh, we did have within some wins. the season. Like I could, like I remember seeing, you know, via the socials when I do log in, um, that uh, there were some kids standing on steps. Yeah, um, Colby Simmons uh, did pretty well. Uh, won some races. Uh, was the guy that we were racing for at the World Championships. Um, we had a couple of guest riders from other programs um, that did well. Uh, we did pretty well in the Nations Cup in Hungary, mm-hmm. um, which... Fifth if, overall? Fifth overall, which if we had been allowed to race as the national team, which we requested, but the powers that be said that it wasn't possible. Uh, if we had been allowed to do that, there's a pretty good chance we would have had five riders instead of four. For the, uh, for the world championships. For the world championships yeah. and would have had a better caravan position, mm-hmm. um, which is always important, but was super important in this race because of the nature of the circuit. Uh, uh, yeah, and the small, yeah. Small nature, roads. Nature of, yeah. I mean, we were car yeah. 22 and we were supposed to, like, car 22 on this course, you might as well not even bother. Okay. Um, unless, unless you kind of know how to push your way through a caravan and then- and then uh, savvy, 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 savvy. Yeah. I don't know if I made up a word. Yeah. Um, hold your position until it was taken from you because that's part of the game. Yeah. Nice. So, Well, if there's anything, I mean, having been in the car a couple of times, never in Europe, and that I would love to do someday. Um, uh, having been in the car with you, I understand your facility with handling the caravan, especially here where you can probably just chop people and they just take it 
Well, and let's say uh, let's say my skill set is quite a bit improved from where it was at 2010 uh, when I was here in Utah. Why is that not a surprise? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but, so I did the, I did post that that video, the sketchy <laughs> video from 2010 on the uh, on the uh, Vimeo channel, which is associated with nonprofit, because it it was part of my. Uh, so for the sermon book, and I'm, I have a cast of characters that people can find out about if they're mentioned in a particular sermon in the book. You hit the QR code, you go to the supporting electronic, you know, version, the website where there might be a, 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 a better description of, you know, oh, this is my friend Joe, or this is Johnny, or you know, this is whoever. Um, but so, so I've been writing the bios and that kind of thing. And I, I, I thought that that video should be included in, you know, link f- out from your bio that will be hosted on our site um, uh, in, in the profile section there um, should go out to that because it's pretty fucking funny. Well, so there's that. And then we actually had, um, I won't post the one of the two minute sticky bottle. It just it was he just couldn't get his hand off the bottle. I know so it was weird. Super it was super sticky. So, so sticky. I don't know if some drink mix got on just it or or what. Something. Yeah, yeah hook and loop kind of yeah. thing with I don't know, gloves. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> well, we did we did capture some good content from uh so at the 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 race in Hungary, uh Colby crashed with about I wanna say ten K to go. Okay. Um and one of the riders who um, did not want to start that day, but was, I'll say, I encouraged him to start. So a good word, encouraged, yes. can can span a lot of levels of yes. encouragement. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And let's just say the way I encouraged him to do so did not really give him any choice. That's interesting. It sounds more like uh, demanding as opposed to encouraging. Well, but I guess synonym, yeah, maybe. Fuck. Well, when we're spending uh, ten thousand dollars per rider to have them over there, yeah, and they need to learn that they need to turn their brain from me think to we think. All right, folks, that's our podcast for the day. <laughs> You've got your universal lesson: <laughs> change your brain from me think to we think, and uh, that wraps up our episode with Mr. Joe Holmes, <laughs> bringing you knowledge from across oceans. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, so uh, Colby crashed, ten k out, and this other kid. So uh, we stopped, stopped the car, yeah. got him up, made sure everything was okay. Um, Fortunately, we were, I think, car four that day. Okay. So, so it gave were... us some time to filter out. Yeah. Filter back. Um, got on his bike, and he had a GoPro. It just so happened we put the GoPro on his bike. Nice. And we captured. And so he had to get back all the way through the caravan. Up all the, the way tail through the, the caravan. Nice. So there's uh, pretty good content and a uh, post I did on it over at tdlccycling.com. TDLC. Tete de la course. Damn, what does that mean? That means you're up, like, you got a head? Head of the race. Head of the race. Okay, the front of the race. Yep. <sighs> yeah. But it's some, it's, it's some good footage that, that, that shows, like, what happens. And I also had the opportunity to get some parents in the car a couple times. <laughs> My favorite comment from dinner last night was one of the guys saying, 
man, you probably shouldn't really have parents in the car because this seems real fucking dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watching your kid just fucking. Yep. Yep, laying it on the line. One one of the kids, and we were able to we were able to figure it out from the file, his file afterwards. So this was a race in Belgium called Abel, and there was this huge pileup, and and it was like in the beginning, like junior racing is it's like death race two thousand, like it's just mayhem, and um, <laughs> some of that whiskey go through your nose there, Mark, almost. <laughs> yeah, but you were close. <laughs> Like it's uh, it's total mayhem, yeah. and especially if you have, I mean, let's just let's just say that some countries, some of the kids are not as proficient driving their bikes as others. Sure, um, and and that's one of the reasons why all these countries, like everybody, needs to have this development pathway. Oh right? yeah. So yeah. Um, this kid crashed, got going, realized that his bars were crooked, stopped. I mean, it was when I was in the car waiting it it was like glacial um got him going it just so happened his dad was in the car with us oh nice we it the repair took so long that we were outside of the caravan okay yeah so and then at this point so the kids on restricted gearing junior gearing yeah so there's only really so fast i can go but I can still go probably like, you know, I can go 60, 70 K an hour. Okay. Um, depending. And he's, and he's right on the bumper. Fucking spinning it out on the bumper. Spinning out. And I have to watch 120 RPMs. Yep. Or and, and the whole time, like I have to watch and, and that's not slow on roads in Europe, particularly in Belgium. Oh, yeah. And this particular race, the, the arrow signs were pretty small, mm-hmm. yellow. So I, I told the both the father and the mechanic, yeah. I'm like, you need to look for the yellow arrows and you need to tell me what direction I'm turning. Okay, yeah. Um, because I have to focus on the line, the line through all the corners with the kid on my bumper. Yeah. With, at times, depending on how, so I also have uh, the navigation uh, screen up in the car. Yeah. So I can kind of, tell a little bit like what is coming up yeah and oftentimes like you'll have to you'll have to go into a corner and then you just have to swing out of it and break and let the kid go down like go in front of you and then you go and then you get back because you can take a corner faster on a bike always yeah so some depending on the type of corner but 21 minutes is how long it took to get back and the comm was with us the whole time. Uh-huh. And normally a 21-minute tow is going to get a whistle. That's a huge fine. Yeah. But this is like five oh, the com. The commissar? The commissar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Der commissar. Der commissar. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, it was- special shout-out. Because you were in Austria, yeah. you, you can do a shout-out to Falco yes. on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and- uh, <laughs> um, it, yeah, oh. but it was five k into the bike race, Jesus. and the guys and the guys saw what happened. So and we got him back. Yeah, but it was. Uh, I will admit it's, it's it's really fucking fun to drive like that. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it was pretty cool. I mean, obviously, in two thousand ten, we didn't have to. Uh, there, there was no 
craziness. The only craziness was to get up to uh, the brick. I think it was Ian Crane, maybe. No, uh, dark hair. Because the commissar. Yep. Hopefully this is Getting a journey. Euro. I hope I hope this is the original version. And my favorite like thing about this video is they just got some flashing cop car lights. Yeah. So <laughs> um and the joke is that like so there's some flashing you know, lights in the back and that's it. They're just on a soundstage somewhere. The cheapest fucking soundstage they could get because they spent all of the money, the budget for the music video on cocaine. There you go. R.I.P. Uh, fella. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it was stage one. Some uh, who, who was who was on the team? It it, it wasn't so Sam Johnson. It Ken was him. Pitt, yeah, Sam? he was up. Yeah, it was Sam was up front. Yeah, and he was requesting a feed, and we were like car seventeen at that point or yeah. something. And uh, whose car? It was Spencer's car. Spencer's car. <laughs> Fucking so a yellow, yellow golf automatic. Basic golf. Super basic like golf. Super cheapest golf you could get. Yeah. 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 Well. Uh, yeah, he rallied that motherfucker. That the car. Good. So the the. We had a Ford Focus wagon, uh, manual transmission. But a Ford Focus in Europe is different than a Ford Focus yeah. Oh, in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. really, really underpowered. It was like 150 horsepower. Oh. And, it, and there was some lag to it. So oh. that, like, you really had to... Um, the, the not turbo lag. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, it says it has a turbo, and it you know you step on the gas, and it coughs a little bit. Yeah. But then it starts going, so that's... Essentially, there's not a turbo in this car, uh, but we have the computer program to make it feel like there is. Yeah, 150 horsepower. That's a. It was it was interminable when I wanted to like accelerate, but it was light enough, and I could get a feel for it enough that I could throw it around corners, and yeah. uh, our our mechanic who was, um. Having an eye-opening experience in many ways. Yes. At one point, he asked me, he's like, so why why are you, like, you know, turning the, the steering wheel, like, back and forth as you're going through corners? And I'm like, because I need to control the, the drift of the car. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's how we're getting through the corner this this fast. <laughs> so, oh, basically, I really want to do a track day someday while I'm here with, like, Michael oh. and... I would love it. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, you get a little... Uh, they probably, they must still do them at it. I think it, I know it's not Larry Miller, man. It's Utah Motorsports Park something. Um, where they used to have... Uh, when they, Let's see, who was this guy? Rod, who was the manager or owner of Spin Cycles, who I used to race for. Um, he was also raced cars. And so he was in with all the guys out at, it was at Larry Miller Sports Speedway or whatever it was yep. back at that time and convinced them that one night a week they should let fucking bike racing happen out there. Uh, I only made it out for one. 
Um, but it was fucking cool because it's closed course. You know, you're just, yeah. I mean, as is the DMV, you know, other, um, you know, Wednesday Night Worlds type crit races. But, um, but they just be like, yeah, yeah, watch uh, turn four. Uh, yeah, somebody blew a head gasket or something and there's oil all over the fucking road out there. We're trying to clean it up, but you guys with your skinny tires, uh, I want to. Which would be welcome to Europe. <laughs> oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah. So. It was, um, I mean, I saw, in fact, the day that I had the the dad in the car, the day before, uh, the the mom filed in the car, there was a team time trial. Um, And that was just right around 10 and a half K, I I believe. Um, And she was like, that was enough for me. That was really fucking cool, but I don't need to do anything other than that. <laughs> and then uh had dad in the car the next day and there was actually a crash that happened and it just so happened that it was right in front of the mom that the kid was like convulsing on the side of the road. Oh. Um and I mean, ended up being okay, but I mean it's um and 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 racing there is it's it's so different than racing here. Um, and, and that's why, that's why trips like this have to happen. Oh yeah. Like it but has to happen. But also the biggest races in the world, like if you, if you want to make that a career as a pro cyclist, you're going to end up racing there at some point because the biggest races in the world are there. Yep. And yeah, there's a good, uh, how many pro tour licenses are held by a U.S. team, corporation, whatever these days? Um, does, There's I mean, at least a couple handfuls of of riders, American riders. Sure. Um, and Trek Segafredo is technically an American World Tour registered okay. World Tour team, and so is Education First. Oh, so, right. So two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but both of those teams are primarily uh, Europeans. Yeah. On them. Um, and. Hey, so I saw that um, Paulus did all right. He did. He did really well. Fuck. Fifth place, which yeah. is did not see that coming. Yeah, because he wasn't the protected rider on the U.S. squad, was he? Wasn't it supposed to be? Uh... It was probably going to be. Um, fuck, I got to think about who's on the roster. It's kind of one of those things where it's like not my program, so yeah, like you know, yeah, half pay attention, yeah, 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 but. Yeah. I think that so Quinn Simmons would do really well in a course like this. I just wasn't sure if Quinn it's had long, enough right? world tour miles in his legs to do like to have it at the end. So um, two seventy two seventy, I believe. Two seventy yeah. plus what five thousand meters or well plus the eight K of neutral. Oh. Because that's not <laughs> part of it either. Yeah. We don't count that. And then the nature of these courses is is but to who else is riding really well for the U.S. that would have been on that team? Like, uh, is there no, there's another kid that, that races for EF that would have been? So Lawson Craddock was on the team. Okay. Um, there's another kid that um, I feel like would have done well in support that was not selected, uh, Logan Owen. Okay. Who yeah. excels in that kind of course. Yeah. Um, heard of him before yeah. i think you might have mentioned him once or twice maybe a couple times okay yeah um and uh yeah i'm trying to think honestly like 
last week was just such a, a blur of oh, like yeah. full gas, go, go, go. Um, especially because it was close enough to the USA Cycling's base in Sittard. Mm-hmm. And in an effort to cut costs, even though I don't know if anybody filled in the line item for fuel expenditure, uh, we were going back and forth to Sittard. There was uh, two hotel movements because the, so the TT was in uh, Nakaheis, uh, which is up on the coast, kind of more towards like Cokeside and, and that. So we're trying to make it a little windier. A little windier. Yeah. yeah. That's good uh, for a TT. Finish in Bruges. Okay. Nice. Um, in, in Bruges? Yep. In Bruges. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's dropping any coins off of the tower. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I need to watch that again. I was just going to say, it's like... Uh, <laughs> Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell and is it Patty Considine? Who's the... That I, I wouldn't... I yeah. Don't, yeah, okay. Anyway. Might Good have, movie. In yeah. Bruges, folks. Yeah, in Bruges. Um, yeah. Sleeper, total sleeper. And then uh, junior races were all circuit in Leuven. Mm. So basically a giant Kermes course. Um, and... Then the other races started in Antwerp and then uh, did a Flanders loop and then finished on circuits in Leuven. So there was a lot of movement. Yeah. Um, and the thing that our kids were psyched about were that they're like, this is a giant criterium. This is going to be awesome, provided that we can stay upright. Yeah. There was a crash. So we were car 22. Race started, because you hear when the race start is. We sat stationary for two minutes before we actually moved. Oh, fuck. After the race start? Yeah. And as soon as it started, you heard on the tour radio, crash, crash, crash. And when we came around the corner, there was a kid that had crashed. He hadn't even crossed the start line yet and had crashed. Oh, man. So that's not something that stays with you for the rest of your fucking life uh, yeah so because the juniors they're um up to 18 17 or? and 18 yeah 17, world championship 17 18 okay yep so all the kids that i had so you turn 19 you're under 23 correct okay yeah and that's determined by your birth like however old you are on december 31st uh of that year okay um and um yeah we had so for the trip to Europe, like when we first went over with Lux, we had 11 kids that went. Um, and most of them were aging out or 18 and had had no opportunity to race last year uh, internationally. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So they were basically, a few of them had done trips as New Lingans, so that's 15, 16. Yeah. Um, but for all intents and purposes... Like these kids had not raced there before, and especially the seventeen, the seventeen-year-olds. Um, a couple of them, this was their first trip over uh, wow. to Europe, and and it's not even the racing that's that. We're obviously the racing is important, mm -hmm. but we're also looking to see how how are these kids, how's everything else, how. Um, are they there on vacation or are they there to, that's pretty tough as a bike racer. 
Would I be surprised? There are some kids that that we we there was there were there was one kid in particular that even at nationals mm-hmm. uh, in my head I was like, seems like this kid's on vacation, to me. Okay. And and okay, I I've used the analogy a lot in a lot of different areas, but I I have a dimmer switch that I like to use. Yeah. And if the kids knew beginning of the trip, dimmer switch is going to be way over, you know, zero, one, two. Yeah. You come over again, it's going to be turned up. Come over again, it's turned up. Or, you know, hey, man, by the second month, you ought to understand what my level of expectation is, what we're trying to achieve with the program. Well, if you were clear, it'd be by the end of the first month. But I know that sometimes you're not as direct as, uh, as you could be. So... And and for sure, Joe Holmes, that's a joke. I, yeah, yeah, I'm, la- I'm laughing. Yeah, you're, oh, you're laughing inside. Yeah. All right, okay. It's uh, <laughs> the the Swan year we had, who has worked for World Tour teams. Yeah, he and I would would talk. And it's a guy you've worked with for a while. Yeah, yeah, yep. Robert Grabowski. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna get Robert over here at some point. I fucking hope so. Um, uh, and I mean he's worked for like. He's had even Basa on the table. He's had Mark Cavendish on the table. Yeah. Um, and um, but he likes working with juniors. You know, it's more laid back. But we would talk about like this lifestyle is not for everybody. Um, and that's the riders and the staff. Like oh, it's yeah. not it's not for everybody. I mean, and, we were talked about last night. And I was just like, it's not me. I can't do. It. I couldn't do it because I can't, because when I go to a place, I like to hang in the place. Yep. And if it's like every couple of days, it's moving somewhere that I can't really unpack and I'm going to be very careful about, it. I'm actually not going to do any laundry. I'm going to wear the same thing over and over again so then I don't have to unpack. I mean, that would be my response to this kind of shit. And um, I mean, in working on movie jobs or whatever, if there was a bunch, you know, a few different movements um, to get to places where I'd have to like, okay, we're here and I have this beautiful gym set up but now we're going somewhere and we can't fly weight so I need to find a gym there and it has to be a private thing and then like all of the organization stuff of like how close is it to the hotel how yep. you know where can, can where can I you know how am I going to feed the, the people because we're not traveling with our you know standard team of you know that know how to feed this individual and that individual and this other one that are on the program and like, where are we going to do the yeah, the recovery part of it, you know? The you mean the stuff that nobody sees and, and they're like, yeah. what do these guys do? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like directors. All they yeah. do is like drive the car and like, you know, they and, don't know all the logistics. The yeah. yeah. They yeah. don't know the logistics. Yeah. So I can see how that, you know, it's kind of gypsy roadshow in a way that it. Um, well, and a lot of times too, it's like you're full gas, but then there are days when you can just chill. Okay. Um, and that's sort of how, or, or don't chill completely, mm-hmm. but you do a couple of things and then you've had the rest of your day and then you know it's going to be full gas again. Yeah. Um, and that was the nice thing about like being based outside of Innsbruck was like we could, you need a place, you need to have a place that you can recharge. Yeah. And, and that was one of the great things, at least for me and, and you know, all the, all the kids pretty much all, all the kids that were adjusting well yeah said the same thing some of the other kids that not so much yeah which again is part of the process like this is part of the process for me is like if we can graduate a kid 
to uh, the next rung up the development pipeline. Yeah. Awesome. Success. But if that kid determines this life is not for me, I need to go to school or I need to like work in the, the, you know, some job also a success. Also a win. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, have we covered most of the pro shit that we need to talk about? About, you know, traveling, how good you are at your job and the fact that you, now you've got another world championship Jersey of some kind, maybe, uh, or a medal of some kind to add to the resume of, um, becoming more comfortable with talking about that. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, so tell me this, uh, Joe Holmes goes to Europe, you know, kind of disappears. We've got, you know, texting on signal, that kind of thing. And then, and then, uh, and then I get a phone call and I don't answer cause I never answer. But then I call back because, you know, if it's a friend, that's what I do. And uh, I recognize your voice. It's similar to a voice that I heard on episode, I think, 80, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, Joe went to dinner. So you had been up the hill? Yeah. To a restaurant in Seafeld? Yeah. Yep. And had some. So, I'm get, so Austria, but close shares a border with Italy so some fine Italian wine available oh yeah finer than what we drank last night uh, about the same yeah yeah I still... think I had a Brunello there okay yeah yeah that sounds about right yep fuck I have a nice Brunello from Pinot still in my wine fridge at home oh yeah <laughs> we might want to check that bad boy out <laughs> we might I'm, I hear they get empty when you check them out <laughs> uh, or when I come to town <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't. I don't have any Campari on the shelf, so uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, at least yeah. I don't have a plan to catch tomorrow, or not, or not. Um, <laughs> Joe, but... you haven't missed your flight yet. <laughs> Still one of my favorite stories. Oh my god, it's one of my favorite photographs, actually. In the, so with these profiles that that I'm building, the electronic profiles that I'm building for cast characters in the book, Joe Holmes being one of them, because he's also, I think, you are our you and I think you are our most frequent returning guest on the podcast. Partially because you fucking lived here for Pretty five much. weeks, but did, yeah, um, well, there's that. Yeah, uh, um. But, uh, you know, I have some different photographs of individuals to illustrate, you know, kind of give folks an idea of who they are, who they're reading about. (laughs) And that photo on that bench with you holding that cup of coffee, looking as though you are about to vomit back into the coffee cup (laughs) is one of the photos on your profile page. Outstanding. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I've actually seen this photo. Oh, oh, I don't know if I could find. I know that. I mean, I like if if I just go right now because you know the uh, uh, Apple I whatever pictures I can search by year, and I do know that that would have been, I believe, the morning of November eighth, twenty sixteen. Because I think the Peter Hook show was on the seventh, but I'm not totally sure. Okay. Uh. Uh, going to live music shows again. I actually got a text from Sean Kinray. He's going to see Devo tonight. Oh, no shit. In Las Vegas. 
Fuck, because I got a I got a photo from uh, Laura of him and her in the crowd at a show, and I couldn't identify who the guitar player was. I was like, who the fuck is this? It looks like Wayne Kramer, but not, but Wayne Kramer at like forty. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. Because uh, so Jill Holmes, I uh, I share with you. Do you want me to text it to you, or do you want to just put your glasses on so you can look? I can look. All right. Here but you I are. But I can't lean too far because, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, this picture. I have seen. <laughs> you have it. That's, <laughs> that's a that's, rough look. Oh, dude. <laughs> that's terrible. That's like, that's like, you know, lying there all night sweating and not being able to sleep. And then like 10 minutes before your alarm goes off, you finally like pass out and then. I think we've had a few nights like that, though. Never. (laughs) Never. Yeah, that uh, that was that was a good fucking show. Yeah. Um, So there were some phone calls made that night that I. Oh, that's November ninth, twenty sixteen. Okay. Show must be on the eighth. All right. So so that night in question, when you and I chatted, there were I I found out later a few other phone calls made. I. do believe I might have heard about one of them. Yeah. Because uh, did you call Emily that night also? Probably. Yeah. Probably yeah. don't remember. Whatever. Don't. Nice. No idea. It w- It was awesome. Like, ah, Mark. <laughs> fucking Europe is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, man, give me 10 minutes to get where you are. <laughs> and uh, Let's just say at that time, I did not have any children I was responsible. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, for an eight-hour time difference, I was nowhere near getting to where you were. <laughs> I was like, fuck, it's, four, it's like four in the afternoon for me. I still got, like, something to do. It's always something. happy hour somewhere, it's, Mark. Oh, <laughs> do, do not encourage me. Um, yeah, I came home, and, and I believe that's when uh, I had a few uh, pieces of wood from the forest that... Um, uh, in the form of Roquefort tens, that I believe I drank three of those. <sighs> yeah. After a couple of bottles of wine at dinner, or whatever. One. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. One. One. One for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to uh, take that train down from that other town. You know, fully inebriated. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh my goodness! That was a good dinner, though. So, as I mentioned last night, um, I'm at least eighty percent of the way through my Italian wine education, as dispensed by Pino up there uh, around where y'all are. So, pasta e vino on Bainbridge Island, folks. Check it out. Pasta e vino, so you get some noodles and some <laughs> wine. Uh, yeah, I uh, I might have to come. I might have to come out for another for sure for like a graduate level kind of there situation. you go. <laughs> I was explaining it to somebody. I was like, he goes, "I never took you for a wine guy," and I was like, "Well, I wasn't, but I got this friend, and he's kind of a wine guy, but he's only into the Italian wines, and so that's kind of where I went because you know, even though I lived in France, I didn't wasn't really like a wine guy there." Um, 
And uh, but I did get, I did go to college. I went to Wine College. And he's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And I was like, "Well, he's got this friend. He's like a you know, I'm just gonna go first gen um, immigrant from from Italy, and he's got relationships with a bunch of different vintners over there, and he has this little shop." And so I told my friend Joe, "I'm like, I want to have I want to I want to learn about you know Italian wine. I need to get, I need an education." He's like, "What kind of education do you want?" I'm like, "I want a two case education." And uh, <laughs> and then and, and we then spent I, a lot of money that night. <laughs> well, it was pretty, that was because that was my next question. I said, "So, how much? Is, what's tuition on a two case education?" And I think you said, "Yeah, bring a <laughs> thousand. But I got out for seven hundred. Yep, and twenty four. And fuck, some of those bottles were so good. Yep. I, you know, I have to as as you do. You know, you take pictures. If it's a good one, you take a photo of it. Um, <laughs> which, it was funny. We got so there's a, a we stayed uh, some friends that have an apartment at Cookside. And we sat up there uh, just prior to the TT World Championships. And there's a really nice shop, like, directly right across the street. Okay. Um, and I'd go in. Um, Wait, is this where you bought the wine service? At the, uh, I, I, feel like, I, I feel like there was a story about buying a, well, buying, so, a, buying a wine service when the, 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 uh, the, the, the shop owner had said, you do know how much No, no, no. That was, that was actually in Maastricht. Okay. In 2014. Okay. Um, because I do have a beautiful wine service that every time I use it, I think of you. And that's like, that's a, those are the best gifts are the gifts that remind us of our friends. So how would you, how I always screw up. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure how to pronounce that. Uh, like we, I think. Like I we. Know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. So a nice cheese and wine shop, good meat. Yeah. Um, uh, fresh pastas, things like that. And there was like, $25 or 25 euro uh, Barolo. And I was like, hmm, you know, not, went ahead not, and tried not, it. Not possible. And uh, so that my friend, my friend Robert, who'd work for Italian teams, he's like, we, we both took a taste. And we're like, Oh, yeah, that's not Barolo. <laughs> oh, small B. Yeah. yeah. Small B. Yeah. It's it. It wasn't even the Prince of Wines. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it, so it was the Australian version, the Barolo. Yeah. <laughs> like two O's on the end and a small yeah. B. So, huh? Okay, so uh, last night when we were at dinner, you know, we did. Uh, I I feel like we kind of got down, but not too dirty on a little bit of the some of the political differences between being in Europe and being here, especially now. I'm go on. I, yes, I, I, I'm just I'm just trolling. I'm just seeing how like okay, are we gonna? I, I honestly, like, when I'm, Jennifer would joke that if I go, this is more so when I was traveling races in the States, she'd be like, you know, some some current event thing, and, and then she'd be yeah. like, oh, but that probably wasn't uh, in Velo News, i.e., you know. But now I don't even, like, I don't even read, like, cycling-type stuff that much. Like, I'm kind of head down. Okay. And, and... I mean, I don't even like, and unless it's a really big logistical undertaking, I don't even like looking at, looking past the race that I'm prepping for. Yeah, you know, I might look at some of the tech guides just a little bit. Um, but if for the most part, it's like race at a time. Um, 
And then I just want to turn my brain off. And there is a fascinating thing about this, too. I think it's like, hey, we're over here. We're, you know, we are a singular unit. We have our bubble because we need to, you know, be virus aware, you know, whatever. So um, and 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 involved in a race program with all of the travel and the organization and the care that needs to go into that. And it's like, well, I got no fucking horsepower for anything outside of this this is the problems these are the these are the problems that we have these are the problems that need to be solved and it feels like i mean i know that if i'm reading a lot of news it's because i'm either avoiding other work that i'm supposed to be doing or i don't have this other work it's like i got a lot of spare time and that's when i go there and get poisoned well and for me it's it's if I have spare time, I'm going to like, I want to try to fit a bike ride in if I can. I don't want to like, I'm not, you know, I know. Um, and I'll kind of glance to the new, a lot of times I'll glance through like news right before bed. Uh, just to try to see a little bit what's going on. Oh, but, just to, just to help you sleep. Yeah. Because, you know, looking at a screen right before you go to bed is super uh, effective and especially you know i find like certain you know i don't if i want to go to if i'm really really trying to not go to sleep i'm not going to read i'm not going to go to npr you know and read some news there to check out what's going on in the world uh, probably not going to go to salon either because i uh actually i have someone a friend who reads that for me so i don't have to um mother jones no no he's uh, actually rob Crowley, he was on the podcast and he was like, yeah, I read salon so you don't have to. I'm like, Word. <laughs> Just send me the stuff. Anyway, uh, um, but I do try and get, you know, get a, get a flavor. But if I'm really trying not to sleep, I'll go to something, you know, a bit more, you know, maybe a bit more aggro. Zero hedge or someplace. Right. You know, where. Anyway, um, traveling around. So, so here, and, and I don't, I don't know what it's like for, you know, most people i mean i i feel like here at nonprofit we are somewhat insulated isolated like because not looking outside that much not really trying to care that much because we got shit to do because we obviously work for ourselves so um so every day is essential and we're essential every day and um uh and, and so looking outside it's like oh you want to Start this pipeline, stop this pipeline. Yeah, fuck, doesn't affect my bottom line. So I, you know, which we don't really have, I mean, one of. And uh, um, it's, I feel like we're, like sometimes we're like, fuck, we're not participating. We're not, you know, making moves and, uh, you know, or something. And then I also feel like that's really fucking good. I mean, I do have some uh, a different, you know, some different investment strategies than some other people as far as like what I think is going to be valuable in the future. But that's really the only thing that I look at the news for, and uh, um, it. I mean, I'm a little bit curious because sometimes it's fun, you know, to watch hypocrisy just broadcast on such a loud far-reaching level um so when you were in europe that whole time nothing you just i'm guessing 
because of the demands of eight, some of the demands of the job, um, you're very focused on that and you are responsible for the experiences of other people. Six, uh, six of whom are teenagers. The first time. So you're not really, you know, drawn to the shiny bait of American politics while you're, you know, uh, a long ways away involved in real life in a different country. Well, obviously the, the big news thing, which I was, I would be interested to get, um, the viewpoints of guys like Trevor, um, guys like Ian, oh, AOC's <laughs> dress. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Or, or that, or that, or that um, this isn't going to be uh, another Saigon incident, which you know, because history never repeats itself. Especially if you if you I, if I, you so learn from history, that would be that would be an interesting time to have been in Europe and watching European news sources and their commentary about what happened. Um, mostly because they're like, yeah, we come, y'all, you Americans. You got like a a couple of hundred and some decades history of war. We have thousands of fucking years of going back and forth and killing each other, invading other nations, and then retreating from other nations and that kind of thing. I would, um, I, I bet it was would have been a pretty interesting time to see some European perspective on what was going down. More, more, um, so, more in, so in, in that stand. More so in the surrounding um, stands. For whatever reason, uh, more so than the other times I've been to Europe, I was really switched on, and and so a lot of the reading I I did do was because okay yeah history political science mm. major um, minor in history but but pretty focused on American politics a lot of history though like a twenty nine year program yeah, yeah of getting exactly. a degree history big, big history big history big, of big history, history degree yeah. Um, but presidential politics, um, post-Cold War politics, which yeah. I'm going to get to that in a second, which was super useful, um, particularly when I was in Slovakia. Okay. And Hungary. And Hungary. Um, <laughs> it had some cold-ass war there. Yeah. and and um, But I would be like, okay, okay, Austria. And I would just like quick glance, history of Austria with like Austria-Hungary. Oh, they kind of had a they had kind of had a big thing there for a, little, a while. They had a little bromance. They had a little bromance yeah, there. They got, had like a a bromance that kind of turned into an empire, didn't they? Yep. And yeah. and so that or um so the the first big race we did was in Slovakia. And it just so happened that the US ambassador to Slovakia found out that an American bike racing team was going to be there. So she and her um, uh, aides mm -hmm. came to the first stage that we did. Fuck yeah! The TT, and and so she came out, talked to the kids, um, and then we. So where the time trial started, I I walked up because we need somebody there because like you know the bike checks and the whole thing, and yeah. and so I was there and just. Like a little rain rainstorm came through, and I just stepped up onto uh, a little cafe that had an awning that was right there. Well, as it turns out, 
that's where the 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 local bigwigs of this town were hosting the U.S. ambassador. So I had opportunity to to really talk to her mm-hmm. um, and her aides, some of whom were American. And what was fascinating to me was asking, like, how did you get into this? Yeah, you know, and and just sort of talking because she's not a Republican or Democrat or like she's the ambassador and she yeah. has served in various posts. Yeah. So she's part of foreign service, foreign service and not nece- yeah, without a party affiliate necessarily. And, and and also I was talking to her and I was like, hey, so what are you doing tomorrow? Like what's on your schedule? Because if you want to, you could come ride in the team car. <laughs> so she's like, well, let me check with my head of security. And the funny thing was, is like a couple of kids were like, well, who's security? I'm like, who for security? They were like the three scary looking guys <laughs> next to like the two black cars. Yeah. That like, do you seriously did not see these guys? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? It's uh, like- I just saw fucking Escalade, man. <laughs> so like, so she, so she ended up, she was able to swing it, and she rode in the car with me for, um, I'd say the first maybe hour, hour and a half. But also, her head of security had to ride in the car too. Fuck yeah, and this was a guy that could definitely kill you with a blade of grass, like for sure. <laughs> and, and you're just like, dude, I got a Ford Focus. You're this thing underperforms already. You're a li- I, I don't need an extra 260 in the back seat. Well, man. so it was funny. <laughs> like, there was a time we had to, uh, one of the guys we had to bring back, and and the course was the courses, there were some pretty tricky parts of it. And there was a certain point we were just like careening down a mountainside. And I looked over at him and said, So, if you think if uh, if the head of security had known you'd be careening down a mountainside. Uh, in a rental car, he would have approved this. She's like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so the race organizer, and then the guy that was kind of um, our um, uh, the 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 go between with us and the ambassador. These guys grew up in in uh, the Soviet Union. Yeah, you know, and it was interesting, kind of talking to those guys uh, about their experience. Um, we had the restaurant that we, um, ate dinner in when we were back at the hotel was run by a Serbian guy and just talking to him about the things that that country has gone through. Um, the, one of the, the women that worked the front desk in the, in the, uh, uh, in the hotel was from Siberia. And talking to her and and busting out the very little bit of Russian that I retained from from college and and having this opportunity and and I feel like some of the kids I don't know if they were really switched onto it one one of the kids for sure because his dad works um, in the State Department and they okay. live in D.C. and and he he was pretty um, I'll say sharper. Yeah. In certain areas. And like, he, I hope that these kids at some point understand the, the opportunity of getting to know these different people from these different countries and hopefully asking them questions. I don't know if yeah. they, probably not, but 
I mean, this was something that I made sure that I wanted to sit down and I wanted to talk to these people. Yeah. And just get a more worldview. Oh, yeah. Then it's a fascinating thing. I mean, like, and I feel more worldly, not just because of, you know, what happened later in life, but because based on some talent in a particular activity, I had the opportunity to go to Europe at 22. Yep. And then to keep going back. And I, and I realized that um, somebody commented on your blog about that, that that was the ultimate sort of uh, expression of white privilege that I could just pick up and, and uh, move to, you know, France and pursue a life of leisure for my own pleasure yeah. uh, there in them mountains. Um, immersing oneself in how other people live, regardless of whether it's five states away or an ocean away, it's a fascinating fucking thing. To, I mean, in whatever, tw- 2015, I spent uh, two and a half months in, in Atlanta, which is not Salt Lake City. No. And, you know, plenty foreign enough, but since I've been around and lived in a number of, you know, different cultures, I can be quiet and observe for a certain period of time before I attempt to engage and participate. And I'm certainly not bringing my shit here. I mean, I have it in me, but I'm not going to share it. Right. I'm here to experience this thing. I'm here to be open to and listen and and potentially be changed by. Well, and you think about, really, how many countries should the U.S. really be? If you think about the different regions of the country and how different things are, and just the landmass size, especially when, like, doing what we've been doing, where it's you're constantly crossing borders, and, and, and borders that were arbitrarily drawn because of, you know, the victor gets the spoils, well, it's a little. Uh, are we ta- are we talking about Europe now? Victor gets the spoils. Or are we talking about like? Uh, are we talking about here? I guess we could be talking about both. No, I guess, yeah, I, I guess we. Could. I mean, for sure. But you know, Victor gets the spoils in the U.S. That's just like the entire kind of U.S. Right. Right. Um, in in a sense, but I I do like state boundaries. Let's say within the in the lower forty eight or whatever. I mean, Alaska kind of makes sense, except for the eastern border with Canada. I don't know why we didn't just like make it bigger um but geographic features that make sense yep that uh, would, would delineate some of the some of the state borders some others were just like ah, yeah you can't come this far no further yeah we ain't letting you in you believe in some weird god religion thing and yeah you're stopping here <laughs> um and then go to europe and realize like okay how much of the terrain in europe has been fixed for a really long period of time? Not so much. Right. Yeah, here in the U.S., we never really had like a... You don't really go back in your history and talk about a 100 years war. Yeah. (laughs) Or horrific confrontations with primitive weapons where still like, oh, more people died on this one day than your nation suffered in one of its overseas adventures in 10 fucking years or five years or whatever it was. I mean, it, it, it's, there, is, there is weight that, that comes with history if you're willing to see it, feel it, carry it. Yep. And uh, I mean, I, I feel fortunate mm-hmm. 
to have been good enough at something that allowed me access to visit places that yeah um and you know as a yes as a tourist but also as a professional quote unquote for those not watching the channel and it i mean it gives me a little bit more i think a little bit more understanding and empathy although i do agree with berkey that the last year and a half has caused some empathy fatigue uh, about others the experience of others mm-hmm. yeah i just encourage people to get the fuck out of their little you know travel one, uh, the, well travel yeah for sure but i'm, I'm gonna say on the one hand the bubble is you know it's safe but it's also snake eating its tail pretty soon you stop learning and you start coming up with some fucking ideas that are maybe applicable in your four block area, but uh, time to go folks get out. And even now, unfortunately, if you don't have a passport right now or you have a passport that needs to be renewed, uh, us consular services are pretty fucked and it's going to take probably six to eight months, even expedited to get a new passport, which fortunately a little light bulb flickered in my head. God, prior to going smart motherfucker and i was like i think i've had my passport for a while i should check on that and sure enough it was set to expire when i was there and i like so this might have been um april ish may or not may but april maybe and i did the expedited and and like i got it back in time but i was i was like oh fuck oh yeah I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting thing lately with, you know, vaccine mandates and shit like that. And we're just like, we're going to mandate, you know, we're going to make sure that all federal employees are vaccinated so they can go back to work. And I'm like, well, you, you got everyone vaccinated, you know, through these coercive measures, whatever, threatening, threaten them with losing their jobs. Well, I would appreciate it if you all, all go back to fucking work now that we went through all that shit of, I, I don't consent. I do consent. I really love my job. I want to do my job. Social Security Administration, similar type deal. Everyone's supposedly vaccinated and they're operating at considerably reduced capacity. Um, the whole thing about consular services, uh, same kind of fucking situation. It's like, oh, um, and I'm not for telling people what to fucking do, but I. One of our staff members, she's uh, Brazilian. Um, married an American, um, had a, whatever that a, a green card, I guess, but has okay. to, has yeah. to renew it. I think every 10 years maybe or something. Okay. Started the process glacial. Oh yeah. And she had applied for a few things and she, she was over there and all of a sudden it was like this, oh shit moment that her green card hadn't renewed renewed you, you need to get back for your biometrics appointment right fucking now because well, it was, if you don't get if you're not there it's well and it wasn't even that she was worried that if she'd let it expire she might not get back in yeah and and so she ended up like we just finally were like you need to go home yeah I mean, it had I, been over a year i think that she was trying to do this take care of it. we have a mutual friend who's um been working on his u.s citizenship and that kind of thing and he uh he finally, after you know a year and a half or whatever, um, got the appointment for the biometrics to do the final sort of processes um, to to uh, have a U.S. citizenship. And he's just like, I really need to be at this other professional opportunity this same time 
but it took me so fucking long to get an appointment to do this, which, whatever. Bureaucracy, and he's privileged to be able to even entertain the, you know, option of, become, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he's just like, well, I got to sacrifice this, this work, this, you know, other opportunity in order to make this appointment because I might not fucking get another one. Right. You know, yeah, these are, these are different problems. Um, but then the flip side of it is, is if he misses out on that professional opportunity, he may not get that kind of opportunity again either. Oh yeah. You know, so. Yeah. See, so you're kind of like flipping a coin, but in his circumstances, uh, it was better to make the the federal appointment. But some of the, the things that like the Siberian woman, the Russian woman from Siberia, like she was going through the renewal process too. Okay. Because with, with Austria and, and especially the guy from Serbia and the shit that's gone down there. Right. These people have actually experienced true hardship. Like with the war there and, and just, (laughs) excuse me, time out. Which war? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) All all of the above. We really haven't had. No, fuck. Once we came in, you know, handed out blankets to everyone. Yeah. We've had it pretty easy ever since. Pretty much. You know, let's just say that the, uh, on an economic scale, the lowest levels of opportunity, production, reception, after having traveled some, and especially in the third world, I think I'd rather be on the lowest rung of the ladder here. Oh, yeah. Than middle to middle high in any other place. Oh, I don't really have, I guess, I mean, really probably no third world, true third world experiences, certainly not like what you've had, but even just like, like some of the areas that we weren't hungry Mm -hmm. when I realized that we were only like 4k from the border with Ukraine. Yeah. And, and just like, it was, it was kind of, to me, it was kind of depressing just like, you can tell you're in Eastern Europe, especially like in that particular region that we were in. And, H- you, Hungary, and, you, and you can tell that the communists were there for fucking yeah, oh decades. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. For and sure and based that. on, and, 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 and it's pretty interesting because I mean, a lot of the people who were alive, you know, during the, the era of communism, communist domination, um, are starting to age out of the population. Like you wouldn't get to run into them and have a conversation with them now as much as you would have 20 years ago. I remember, you know, some discussion with uh, a friend of mine in Slovenia who's like, yeah, my dad doesn't, like he's from the era where, like you're not going to just transition from communism to a new capitalist society, you know, because someone put a different, you know, name con- on the consonants on, the map. on front of the ist. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, but then there are younger people who are super adaptable, like a bit more plastic in, in you know in 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 um, the let's just say the flexibility of their thinking and 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 recognizing these th- different opportunities and uh, um, and and how to like oh I need to change my thinking in order to be part of this new thing, and some people. Uh, you know, the elder, older generations in those countries. And we saw it in, you know, uh, certainly in Bulgaria and when I visited the former Soviet Union um, 
couple of times back in the day. It's like, wow, they're at 40 years under a communist regime does not prepare you for su- sudden and, you know, rabid capitalism coming to your nation at fucking all. So the woman that, that worked at the, at the hotel that was from Siberia. Yeah. Her father was in the, in the air force. Okay. Back in the day under the Soviet union. Okay. And, and he preferred life during that time. Sure. Um, there was another woman who, and I can't, he was, cause he could, well, he was he, part of the party. Like he was part of the party and he's also like, oh, I'm above it all. Right. Literally and figuratively. Yep. And there were probably some other people who were like, hey, uh, that, that period kind of was a drag for me. <laughs> well, and then there was uh, another woman, and, and I can't remember where she was from exactly, but uh, I believe her husband grew up, and his parents are from, grew up like Eastern Germany. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. And also felt that for them it was better quote unquote better yeah safer as long as you didn't say the wrong thing to the wrong people yeah 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 <laughs> but 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 they're probably just normal citizens so they're not like traveling in circles where you get to you have the opportunity to say the wrong thing to the wrong person right i want to say safer like more of a safety net i think capitalism comes with a lot of risks and a lot of fear for people especially if they had been you know involved in a system regardless of the standard of living under that system being less than or lower than a, you know, the potential standard of living in a different economic and political system. Um, But if it was just safe and you didn't have to sort of worry about like, fuck, I could be on the streets tomorrow. But then I see someone like um, a gal we trained for a job a long time ago. She was like the first seven years of her life. Um, You know, she's uh, East Berlin. And, um, you know, part of a sports selection program where she had enough talent that, you know, her life was going to be better than some others because of this physical ability. Wall comes down, everything gets unified, you know, essentially because of her talent at that and then communication and facility with language and that kind of thing. Later, the you know, the world became, you know, her oyster, let's say, like it was just sort of, you know, unlimited opportunity. But she would go back home to East Germany you know, formerly East Germany, but now unified. Um, and, you know, see her mother, see her grandmother, and just realize, like, I have been given this tremendous gift and opportunity, and while they felt safe and would be taken care of, the standard of living was so bad. Well, it's that, that relative deprivation. Tested, like, it's like, yeah, okay, I got the new computer. I tested, you know, somebody else had a faster computer, new chip, you know, blah, blah, blah. I tried their computer. Now I'm fucked. I mean, it's the same thing. You go outside and you're like experience capitalism and opportunity and a little bit more self-determination than would be available under a communist or socialist regime. And you're just like, yeah, I'll trade the opportunity, even though it comes with great risk. I, I would rather have that than this other thing, which is just a dead end. I'm breathing and you know, eating and shitting and You're part of the collective or you can try to excel due to your talents and the opportunities that either in a, I mean the funny, the interesting thing about those, those, you know, the, the, the communist countries is just like, how do you get ahead? Well, sport or politics. Yep. Or military. Yep. Those are like, okay, if I want to get taken care of, 
these are the things that I need to do. But if I'm just going to be a philosophy guy, I'm just like, dude, you're going to get poisoned in your sleep. <laughs> Don't start thinking too much. Fucking crazy. <laughs> Where do we go from here, Joe Holmes? What's the future? The immediate future. <laughs> uh, dude, you're getting in a van and driving and being driven. Getting in a van, maybe doing some driving. Definitely not getting out and, you know, filling up, up with gas. I don't Oh, that'll be Heidi's no. job. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you, you know. Have, you, do you 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 do recognize the quality of the friends that you have and how much they care about you for partially in exchange, you know, or as a result of what you've done for them? Oh yeah, yeah. I have I have a good circle of people, for sure, and, and in fact, yeah. So it's beautiful to see. It's and be uh, part of, I guess. Well, and even you know, talking about even if I'm if all I am is your ATM, <laughs> it is handy when you know we split a bill at dinner. Yeah, I suddenly have cash. Um, <laughs> I was talking to, I was talking to somebody about about someone in that circle, and and I use the term you know chosen family. Uh, and I have some pretty, uh, for sure, special people and yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, um, and even the, the uh, relationships and friendships I've been able to make now with um, like people I've worked with in Europe, that's been pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I was looking forward for sure coming here, even though it's a 13-hour drive. <laughs> and I got a gimp leg, <laughs> which I can't put weight on for another four weeks. It was a fucking drag. Why drive when you can be driven? Yeah, I'll be doing... I mean, it is an automatic, so yeah, you should be able to... Uh... As long as I can get into the van. Yeah. Because it's pretty freaking high. <laughs> You've been on crutches I might... for four weeks. Your upper body is... I mean, it's you're more huge than I've ever, <laughs> and I mean muscularly. Yeah, probably, probably the other way too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I but, mean, we have a scale here if you want to check in. Yeah, I don't need to see how many oh, kilos you, I put on. Sure. Oh, you measure in kilos, so the number so euro, so, so the, euro. So now. the number is smaller. Yeah, yeah exactly. I get it. But yeah, uh, I'm only one kilo more. Or I need a pull-up yeah. bar in the van. Ooh. It'll be good for ski season, hopefully. You know, all this upper body work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your triceps, dude. Walking around on crutches. And the good crutches, too. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I do appreciate the forearm crutches, but I also, I, I don't appreciate the fucking plastic gyro version that you have, despite the um, red reflectors on front so and back, good. which indicate so that good. they are the sport model. Um but a, a genuine forearm crutch to be useful needs to have an aluminum cuff that you can like bend so it grabs your forearm and that cuff needs to be on a hinge so that when you are standing somewhere and you need to like cut some meat, you know, standing at a counter or do something like press the buttons on the actual box that gives cash money so that, you know, say you're at an ATM as opposed to having dinner with me and splitting the bill is how you get cash. Um, that those crutches just hang off of your forearms. I do not know these crutches. And then you immediately <laughs> go back to the, to, to, to the, to the handholds when you want a motor. Oh. And dude, you need a fanny pack. 
No, I have a, I have a, I have a European carryall. Uh, a purse. It's a European carryall. It's a fucking purse, dude, dude. You carry a purse too, though. I love it, and I call it a purse. I'm totally good with it. Calling a good with calling it a purse. <laughs> and I mean, as and uh, this is just in reference to an inside joke that Scott and I had because he would have a you know a what some people would call a man purse, and he'd look at him and they would describe it as hey, a nice man purse, and he goes, no. It's just a purse. <laughs> it's not like a man purse, dude. I got a fucking, I got a Gucci purse. <laughs> Those, like, I'm, I've been, you know, had the crutch thing as part of my life. I'm trying, I was, I was trying to total it up recently of, so 12, 12, 24, 3, 27, uh, and about, so about 28 weeks total on crutches in my life. Nice. Um, and I'm, gonna be i'm going into a uh another at least eight weeks uh tail into this year and it's like well so what was your how many weeks uh 28 i don't know is that seven months of i mean yeah. I've, i'm old so you know spread out over time but two periods of uh two times 12 weeks not weight bearing and that's where i really got you know got educated with and got down with the forearm crutches as I was describing. I'll, I'll have um, 40 weeks. Wait, what? Total, yep. Tib fib, uh. femur, pelvis, now this. All, you know, basically 12-week runs. This one, they've been, they <sighs> said eight-week run. Dude, you got me beat hard. Yeah, you're not even like that. I'm not even, I'm not even the fucking game. No. I'm gonna catch you though. So you're 40 at the end of this eight. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm gonna get another. I'm gonna. I'm getting to 36. Not a contest you want to be a part of, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> I'm getting to 36 with the ankle, and then once the other hip has to get done, if they can't do it coincident with, I mean, I would just love it if the ankle guy and the hip guy could tag team in the op- operating room. Yeah. And I could just be like high on propofol for I don't know. That's a uh, long time being under, though. That's a big pull. Yeah, I'd just be like, dude, you guys are good, right? I need you to be the best you've ever been today. Yeah. Yeah. A little, like, baton baton handoff with the scalpel. Exactly. Kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. Where they can't go yeah. outside of a certain area, be, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Coming in hot from the ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you... you uh, you had some interesting things going on here at the space this weekend. <laughs> well, specifically in the last 24 hours. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we, we, our building's located in a neighborhood which is uh, diverse. It's a diverse, it's diverse. You know, it's, it's a neighborhood that has a lot of potential, is yeah. how I think the city likes to describe it. And, uh, you know, we did have, uh, you know, we did have the homeless camp. Um, I mean, we've had various iterations over the years, but it was big time out under the, uh, freeway on off ramp, uh, for about six weeks this summer. Oh, but, um, oh yeah. Yeah. Obviously you haven't been here in a year, so you don't, uh, don't know that. And, and, uh, and so we would file some complaints because one of the little, like if I was, you know, unhoused or however you want to fucking describe it. Um, or I was like down with being in a tent under a tarp, whatever. Uh, there is an area 
fronting uh, or adjacent to the railroad tracks out back, uh, which is, you know, fenced in on three sides, very narrow opening. So you could be in there and be high on whatever, you know, drugs you wanted or just, you know, uh, just backing out of society. You could be in there and be fairly protected. Uh, that two years ago, that, that camp got pretty, uh, and there's probably room for four or five people back in there. Um, but that one got pretty fucked up with, you know, the human feces coming over the tent and all the gar or over the fence and all the garbage and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, they, that, that one was evacuated or moved to another place or, you know, however that gets handled. And, uh, uh, that one came back this summer. We had some interesting interactions with them, but then the big one uh, under the under the off ramp out here uh, happened. And 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 uh, once uh, during the most recent symposium, uh, some of the folks from that camp under the off ramp uh, set a building of fire across the street, and uh, some of our quick thinking friends grabbed fire extinguishers and ran across the street and got it uh, under control before it got out of hand. And, um, and then I, the, within, I don't know, hour or so of that, I felt a complaint talking about the camp behind us, um, cooking over an open flame within X number of feet of a building and dry tinder because, you know, we're in a fucking drought and, uh, within the next 48 hours, things kind of got cleaned up. So, um, so now that you've arrived, you know, it's cool out there. You don't see a lot of people, but, uh, but the other night, well, no, last night, <laughs> this, no, two nights ago, two nights ago. Yeah. Two nights ago. Well, actually yesterday morning. Yes. Because it did happen at three. The rock came through the glass door at, uh, around three forty-five AM apparently. And then some folks decided to come into the building after they threw the rock through the through the glass door. Uh, one one person in and one person outside watching uh, to make sure that you know, hey, if the cops rolled up, they were going to get out. But turns out there were some dudes sleeping in the building who are some capable individuals, not unfamiliar <laughs> with taking control of territory and other people, and. Uh, Guy got a light switch on. He got all the way, you know, he got into, you know, he got through, you know, looked at all the books and the t-shirts and the inventory area. That's obviously not valuable. You're not going to be peddling fucking defend analog t-shirts on the street corner to make a big, you know, you know, <laughs> big score, to, big score to, you know, bump your investment portfolio. So, uh, kept going, was looking for some stuff, you know, the office, uh, where, you know, computers, hard drives, cameras and shit like that. Those are, that's locked, but uh, you know, the rock that came through the door could have gone through the window into that office just as easily. But uh, got out of the hallway, turned the light on, light went on in the gym, ran into the gym, at which point he was confronted by a particular individual that had a uh, rather bright flashlight mounted to his pistol. So could the, should this individual have been able to see beyond the bright light, he would have seen a 0.355 inch diameter hole of a very deep blackness looking back at him. And, uh, but he just saw the flat, the, the, that bright light and a capable looking dude standing there. And, uh, he shouted to his friend, Oh my God, there's fucking people in here. Ran back to the, uh, hole in the glass door 
uh, had to go out on his hands and knees, uh, cut his hands up pretty good, as, as it was evidenced by the blood on the glass on the ground and then the blood on the uh, door where he probably got a shoulder or his back or something on the way out. Um, and then they split. And uh, our friends who were staying here, you know, made a non-emergency call to the nearest precinct. And uh, within less than five minutes, five fucking cop cars showed up, or six. They're like, okay, tell us what the story is and blah, blah, blah. And the reason that they showed up, a.k.a. that fast and that many, is because, uh, a, you know, a person or a couple of people broke into a home uh, one block away from here prior, assaulted a female, and uh, they were fucking, you know, these these uh, gentlemen in blue were... uh little G'd up. Pardon? Little, little, little G'd up, ready to... Oh, yeah. They're they're ready to, uh, you know, basically help the citizens of the of, of this city and, you know, do, you know, to, they were they were down with... Protect, protect and serve. Protecting and fucking serving and <laughs> serving some shit on some other folks. Yeah. Um, uh, at, at that time, forensics came, got some, you know, took some blood samples and that kind of thing uh, to just in case they can match that up with whatever they were able to collect at the other site. And. Uh, yeah, I'm you know, there's part of me, it's just like, God damn, it would have, you know, for sure the word goes out, don't break into that building. There's people in there with, you know, with firearms. Um, it would have been better, in my opinion, despite potential civil and other legal exposure and the the wet cleanup and all the shit that would go with popping one <laughs> into somebody that would have sent a stronger message like don't go in the, you know it's like versus don't go in this building there's people in there versus don't go in this building you could get fucking killed <laughs> Or even if they were just able to restrain him, which I know they handily would have been able to handle, to, to uh, take uh, care of, uh, yes, easily, yeah, th- that th- that could have happened, and then um, and then you turn. I mean, because the guy who that got Michael's bike off the, you know, the like basically cut the cable that it was, you know, like locking his. The, so his bike, his mountain bike, was. Uh, that's a fucking nice one. Dual suspension. I don't know. I have no idea. So it was here. it was on on a. Um, trailer hitch rack on the back of his car in the parking lot broad daylight with a cable through it locked to it and uh sam comes in he's like man i just saw this dude out front with uh had this bike look a lot like yours and so boom everybody leaves the building chase this guy they they, (laughs) it's fucking hilarious they chase him back into the parking lot he tries to go out that gate that is locked but, you know, between the two buildings yep. uh, behind where the van was, you would normally be parked in the shade there. Um, realized it was locked, couldn't get out and got caught. <laughs> and uh, so it's dude and he's got like a chest rig with a bunch of tools in it under his cover garment. So obviously, you know, tools that he wire cutters, cable, uh, bolt cutters, I guess that he'd use to d- d- do this. And, you know, that is a, you know, if it's an accidental crime enough opportunity, oh, the bike was nearly falling off of the bike rack, and yeah. so I took it, is one thing. But when you have tools with you, indicates a certain intent at a certain level and a, and a certain uh, uh, type of commitment to this lifestyle um, that that goes immediately from low misdemeanor to, you know, low felony. Mm-hmm. So 
Michael and Sam and uh, some of the other dudes, uh, they'd caught him and they'd got him up against the wall. They got the fucking tools off, you know, anything. And then, and then uh, and they were just there like Michael's feeling somewhat empathetic with the plight of this person. And Aaron was just fucking slapping this dude and hitting him and screaming at him. That's like, awesome. Up against the wall, just fucking putting a beating on this kid. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, th- there's certain things that I understand of, and, and, and we try not to have, I mean, the only time it, with the exception, you know, Keegan's truck was here for like three nights and got broken into one night, but every other vehicle breaking that has happened in our parking lot, broad daylight during, during training sessions. Yeah. Like that, that have, uh, that's happened. And we're like, try not to have a, you know, the attractive nuisance. We try not to have things that say, Hey, come break our shit and take it, you know, or whatever. Um, and generally anytime, you know, one of the alarms goes off for motion sensor or the camera or whatever, you know, somebody coming onto the property gets, um, a visit from somebody, you know, within the property. And and so I think the building, I mean, I would imagine that the building has a certain reputation of like, you go in there, you're going to meet a person with a gun or a dog. Yeah. You know, of some kind. If you, you know, if, if you go in there and in fact, or a woman that's going to put a beating on you you. or if you like hang your tents and your tarps and that thing from any, you know, part of a structure that's either the fence or the building on their property, um, it might get cut down and you might get a fucking skunk odor grenade, you know, (laughs) thrown over the fence. Or maybe some pepper spray and a fan. You know, you never know like what's going to happen, but it's probably best that you pick a target that's a little softer. Yeah. Uh, but this happened. This is. I mean, we've been here for. Fuck! I'll just. I'm just going to go four years, and the first time that anybody's actually tried to break into the building. And yeah. They, they Which were successful. I, I'm surprised it they, took that long. They, well, th- there is that because you know, but um, but maybe that's because of you know the mm. b- the behavior that is witnessed here. Um, and I'm kind of guessing that this was a one-off. You know, there were other circumstances this summer when that could have turned out really differently, when less capable people were staying here in the building. Right. And so this is not something we want to have known that this is a soft target. You know, I would have appreciated it. And I was like, man, kind of disappointed. You didn't even go loud. And he goes, yeah, well, you know, limited amount of time. I couldn't identify the level of the threat. Right. That person did decide to vacate. Retreat. <laughs> did retire. And, you know, I'm not going to chase anybody down a blind fucking hallway. Yep. I'm like, good point. But they d- did get out and then, you know. But left some evidence. Up. But, oh, they did. Yeah. And and that could, you know, lead to something. Maybe not. I don't know. It's like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Life's different. You. you- you may enjoy this. <laughs> well, I don't know. The last I thing was, I'd I call you is a <laughs> fucking millennial. I mean, you're kind of like, like th- just this side a millennial of millennial tamer. I, I, I was going to be like, you're just this side of boomer, aren't you? I'm a Gen Xer for sure. <laughs> okay. Let's, let me just establish some boundaries on this. Like, I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know the years. Oh, okay. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So how but do I'm you for, know? I'm for sure Gen X. But wh- but how do you know that if you don't know the years? Because someone called me a Gen Z once, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm Gen X, man. And then I actually looked it up. Okay. And I'm firmly within that. So you're what? Seven years younger than me. Six. You know when? You know when we are going to have a fucking good time in about a month. It's not going to be bad. No. <laughs> Which I'm actually hoping my leg will be. I was like, oh, fuck. What about dancing, man? <laughs> um, did you receive a text about your responsibilities for this uh, particular evening? You, you uh, I, alluded to it. I alluded to it, but I, you have not yet been formally charged with some responsibility? No, not yet, no. Okay. No, no. Okay, you will be. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you'll be uh, more than up to it. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, I don't know where I'm at with that. I'm six years behind you, but I... I I'm kind of thinking we're going to have to look, put the goggles on and figure yeah. out what years yeah, are what yeah. years because I don't, you know, get it as in that sense of like, okay, what is boomer X Z Y millennial? Okay. So gen Z. X years. Yeah. 65 to 80. Oh, you're right in there. Yeah. Does that, are you a fucking boomer? I think I'm a boomer, dude. I'm tail into the boom, dude. 46 is 64. Yeah. Tail into the boom. Yeah. I know. Does, is that a bad thing? I'd rather be Gen X and a boomer. Okay. Tell me why. I don't know. It seems a little more. Uh, well, great band name also. Exactly. I mean. And, Ex- precisely that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's see. So surviving, still playing music, members of that band, obviously Billy Idol. I think Tony James is still playing. Uh, And uh, he did a stint with the Sisters of Mercy, which was pretty much awesome, like preserved all of his creds. But as far as I, I guess it's, you know, I don't know if Steve Stevens ever played with a lineup that was called Generation X or he was just, uh, you know. He was just Billy Idol's guitar guy as a solo artist. I, I do have a question for you because we missed out on a pretty fucking rad show last year. With, oh, we missed out on a bunch of fucking yeah, rad shows last year. One in particular. The Ministry KMFDM Frontline Assembly show in Minneapolis yeah. at yeah. First Avenue at that incredible fucking club where a lot of it all started. Yeah. Um, yeah, we missed out on that. And then when it came up again this year, I was like, yeah, I'm not going. For whatever reason, you know, I was just... But, I'm not... But the Ward's Runa show got fucking canceled last year, and it was rescheduled for this year, but now, reschedule, now like, my ticket... Your tickets will still be good in 2022 when we eventually come back. I'm trying to think what else I missed in just eight in terms of, like, not asking for... Like, give them the money. Fucking... Yeah. Ministries... So, I just got a notification they're playing at the show box, but it may or may not be... It's right around the the time of the event that apparently I have some responsibilities to do, uh, and then there was another one that I saw. So I think Gary Newman's. Oh, he is touring. It's true. Yeah, yeah. new record is actually quite good. But I don't I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I'm yeah going to a, a, a show. going to a live show. I know yeah. it's like we had tickets for a show uh, Durant Jones and the Indications um, last Friday night, and uh, we got. You know, we drove down from Montana, got here, got, you know, our COVID test that you'd have to get to get in the door and blah, blah, blah. And then it's just like, you know, I'm just not, 
this this is I'm not willing to do it for this particular band. And then I had tickets for Lightning Bolt uh, with this last week, but they canceled. And uh, I might have taken the risk for that one just mm. because it would have been fucking insane. Um, we do have tickets. We're tr- so Dead Can Dance and uh, oh, nice. Agnes o- Agnes Obel is opening for them at the Mission Ballroom in Denver, which was postponed from last year. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know if they're fuck. quite there at the point that I would go. Dead Can Dance for me. Hey, I'm fucking $400 into the tickets. So okay, dude, I'm, I'm fucking, picking up what okay, you're putting yeah. down there. Because uh, I really, really want to, you know, um, I, I saw them back in the day. Okay. Lisa has not lost her voice. Brennan has not lost his voice. It could be kind of cool. Plus, it's at, it's in a venue where I just was like, well, I'll just get a box seat in the balcony close sure. to the stage. Because I'm you know, a boomer. Because I'm a fucking <laughs> boomer. And that's what we do when we go to shows. <laughs> like, up front, <laughs> getting sweat on by the fucking guitar player, or we're going to be in a box. And so we have tickets for that. And, I, and if that happens, uh, if they don't cancel within the next few days, uh, I think we'll go for that. That one's worth it to me. And then the Who, the Mongolian sort of trad, traditional Mongolian slash metal band, is playing here late October. And I'm like, I might need to, I, I kind of feel like I need to see and feel Wolf Totem played live. And uh, that might be another one that's worth it. The other um, show I was supposed to just so King Ray got tickets to so Bauhaus were going to tour last year. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we're supposed to go see them in Denver last year. Mm. That That's that's somebody that I would, because I've seen Peter Murphy twice. Yeah. But Bauhaus is somebody I'd like to see live for sure. Oh, yeah. And for sure, if the Stone Roses ever get back together again. Serious original Bauhaus lineup, Daniel, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Dude, how did yeah. they put their differences aside? It seemed so dramatic at the time when they broke up. Yeah, well, they're goth and shit. Everything's dramatic. Oh, right, right. That's true. Oh, and then there was the whole sort of brush with mortality thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that puts you in your fucking place. Right. Yeah. But that'd be a pretty good show. Depending on the venue. Yes. You know, there's there there are some bands that I would love to to see but I'm just like I'm not going to a place that will hold 5,000 or 10,000 people you know much less the fucking 68,000 that were at the Led Zeppelin show in 1978 in the kingdom which also no longer exists right but like I just can't I'm like no I don't want to go to those kinds of things I did see ACDC at the Tacoma Dome and it was (sighs) fucking rad well that was about 15 years ago i also feel like it's the largest geodesic dome made out of wood standing anywhere in the world and you can see it from the freeway it's awesome (laughs) it is pretty awesome (laughs) talking last time i went by the tacoma dome i think i was uh i think i was with you in the passenger seat of a pretty zippy little uh german motor vehicle was that probably when we picked up ian yes sir and right yeah. After we got pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> and and immediately profiled a left to you, go on our way. <laughs> you you ladies have a sweet night. <laughs> <laughs> we 
are getting on the freeway at 110 miles an hour. I hope this ends okay. I mean, I tr- not that I don't trust your driving at all, but I'm just like, oh, man. I am... Uh, I'm not 10% over the speed limit. I'm a fucking 100% over hey man, the speed limit. Hey, man, if you're going to go, like, just fucking go big. I, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, disagreeing with that. Did I, I, I sent you a little screenshot of the dashboard yeah. earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did. Uh, I did get the enjoyment of telling the, uh, the, uh, the story of, oh, you won't be doing those speeds on the Ode de Quermont. Yeah. Um, nice. Which which was oh so I actually told it in the car when we were in the caravan r- ripping around the streets of Leuven, um, nice. but I did I did actually so I was coming up the hill. Man, you drew a good judge for that case, yeah, dude. I know, yeah. right? Fuck. I was coming up the hill from uh, where I go down a roller ski, uh, where I was roller skiing in Vols, and the and you climb up this hill up to Goodson's, and there was like this. Hardly would ever happen. There's no traffic at all, and I was just like, I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it roll a little bit. So it's, I want to say it's like 70k an hour, and I was only doing like 80k because you really can't do a whole lot faster. And then I saw this individual step out and hold the hand up, and I was like, What? What is something? Is something? Uh, oh, it's police. Yeah. <laughs> Wave me in. Yeah. Wave me into the pullout. Because and somebody had been further down the road with a. They, uh, so, so the, I'd only, this is the first time. So I've, I've seen it twice now. This was the second time where they're doing handheld radar. Yeah. Which I've never, like, like I don't see like that. Individuals in, sitting by the side of the road. Yes, yeah. yeah. I saw this in Norway in 98, man. Dude, they're just. I'm used to like. The, I'm used to like the, the the cameras on the yeah on the freeway. So anyway, I get put. But it wasn't. It was one person standing next, and then the next, per, and then the other officer would stand out and flag you in. Yeah. And let's just say that the officer that came up to 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 get my information, and it only cost me like thirty five euro paid on the spot. Which I'll pay thirty five euro to, because I can make more money, but I can't make more time. Yeah, of course. But but the officer that pulled me over. So this is the part I'm cutting from the podcast. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Let me go back to the uh, <laughs> the uh, Norwegian patrol police, whatever, sitting by the side of the road, like standing there, looking like, and he's got a pelican case on his lap. Looking like he's, you know, tapping away on a laptop. And I drive by, I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then 100 yards down the road, dude weighs me in. I'm like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> that's what that was. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and so we start talking. And it's like, you know, you were doing, because the speed limit here is like 27 kilometers an hour and 30 on the highway. Um, not really, but it's fucking so slow. It's, it's super it's slow. Thir- it's, it's probably 30 in town, it, it, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's 30K yeah. in town. But we were on a, like a two-lane rural oh, okay. road, whatever, so yeah. it was maybe 50. Yeah. And I was maybe doing more. And because, um, like, yeah, I can get, I can make more money, but I can't make more time. And uh, um, 
And so we get talking, and he's like, you know, this is gonna this is what this is gonna cost for how much you were over. It's like one hundred seventy five dollars, and uh, I'm like, Ugh! you know, I I visibly uh, am affected by this number, right? And he points to the dude in the Audi station wagon. He goes, he goes, that guy right there. Yeah, he's not gonna be driving for the next two years. In fact, his wife's gonna have to come and pick up the car. Because his privileges are suspended as of right now. I'm like, what the fuck? And he goes, yeah, he was doing like 160 in a 50K zone. Like, he's lucky we don't take his fucking car. But I hope his wife enjoys driving it for the next two years because he won't be. And I was like, "Uh, 175? Where do I sign? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do you take Visa and MasterCard or is it Euros only here? Yeah, well, this was 98. So, uh, and is Norway Kroner? Yeah, it would have been Croner, but uh, we we made the conversion on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could tell you were uh, we were gonna we were gonna get you when you uh, when I saw that you had rental plates on your car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for some of the presents that are gonna show up for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. With you, I hope you like every time you were going through. Uh, a camera control zone that you were telling the uh, videographers they were number one. It was harder to figure out the the, the control zones a little bit down this time. In in, in it's uh, yeah in the UK, you know during that period when I was there for a long time, I I figured it out pretty good. And every time I drove under one of those things, I my middle finger was up, <laughs> for sure. Should we go get something to eat? Should we get some meat sweats somewhere? I'm. Uh, no, I'm no, not, I'm not ready for that. But uh, Cobb salad and a red blend. You you know we're too down with that though. Guys, the guys will be back pretty quick, and uh, or should be, and we can make a, a a decision. It could end up being a big group or no. I'd like to see Ian for sure, and then yeah, got to bring a Hem- Emily and Heidi into the in, uh, into that weird. Strange world. I think it'd be good. Weird and strange. That's like redundant, right? Sure. Sure. Good to see you. Good to see you. Always good. I mean, back in this place, and now you're for sure our most returned podcast <laughs> guest. <laughs> and we'll probably do this again, maybe before you leave. We'll see. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs>